the name of Jesus. I don't, I don't know how much we think about it, but you need to take notes today. I don't, have my, I don't have my things up. I'm not making fun of Jordan. I didn't give my list of the people in the back, so don't anybody put anything up. I'm not asking you to do that. This is your flow. This is my flow. <laughs> Usually if he knows I'm going to preach, they can call so-and-so and tell him the scriptures or give them to me, Dad, and I'll convey them. But he didn't ask me for that. He, I haven't talked to him in several days because he hadn't been able to talk very well. But anyway... Just write the scriptures down, if nothing else. You know, I tell you, you need to have, I know, I know a lot of your electronic people today, and I'm not making fun. No, I'm not going to make fun of you, but I'm going to tell you, you know, you need to wear some Bibles out like I've done for 40 years. And you need to find the scriptures in your own Bible and mark them. These people have acted like I'm a walking concordance for the last 35 years. Where's that scripture at, doctor? Well, I don't know. Look it up yourself. What's your problem? <laughs> Pastor's done that to me. Preachers. And, of course, I'm not that ru- ruthless. Oh, yeah, you say that to me. Well, <laughs> you've had equal amount of time to get in the Word. <laughs> Boom. <coughs> yeah. Well, I heard Brother Copeland say that we need care of the babies. And some of you that have been in a ministry like mine for 20 or 30s, you ought to be able to do something instead of just show up. Not rebuking anybody, but by God, you ought to be able to do, duplicate what I've done to some measure. You're not all prophets, but I've sure put the word in you over the last 30 years. Next month, it'll be 34 years. This church has been rolling, and I was a pastor for 31 of those. Jordan's a pastor. Well, the last three years, he's pastored. Done a great job, too. Anyway, I'm just talking to you here. So I, I said to him, I'd like to teach on that if that's okay, and he said, sure, and then I said, what about the offering? Did you ask somebody to do that? I'd like to know if they're getting up for me. No, I'd like you to take that too. So I said, I can handle it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. All right, Psalm 124. Now, I'm gonna, it's kind of a simple message, but I'd like you to write the scriptures down because I'm only here this one Sunday to do this teaching, and this is a broad subject. I mean, I could have took 20 weeks on it. Uh, and back in the old days, <laughs> 30 years ago, when I was on Slate Run Road, we probably did take eight weeks on the name of Jesus and taught it in Bible school, probably one of those Bible schools. We had three different Bible schools while I was pastor here. Anyway, let's go to Psalm 124, and let me pray. Father, I just ask you to use me today, uh, cause my words to sink into all of our hearts and let our ears be anointed to hear what the... Spirit is saying and what the preacher is saying, the prophet is saying today. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. Fresh revelation to come. Faith to come to everybody's heart in the name of Jesus. And before I go any further, I might add this to Jordan. I said, and I feel like I'm going to pray for people to be healed and delivered today also by teaching this. So, you know, if you'd let me, I'd like to. And so we're going to do that. So let's see. Now, does that clock on the back wall help me here, one of you technical heads? Does that mean that's how long I've been talking? Yes, thank you, Nancy. All right, let's look at Psalm uh, 124. And basically, let's back it up to verse 6 a minute. Blessed be the Lord who hath not given us as prey to their teeth. Now, I think that's a direct correlation to the devil because 1 Peter 5, you know, and 8 says... Uh, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Chop, chop. How do you devour your food? With your teeth. 
So this is telling us that God has not given us over to the devil for any reason. Chop, chop. Our soul is escaped too as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. That's a little trap they set for birds. Trappers, you, you watch Alaska people on TV, they've got all kinds of traps. And the snare is broken and we are escaped. And then he tells us why all this is happening. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord. You know, I did some study on that. I don't know. Some people say there's eight names of Jehovah. Well, there's a whole bunch. There's about 25 names in the Old Testament for God that relate to this. But let me say this. Jesus is all in all. That's all you need to know. You're not Old Covenant people anyway. It's not bad to study all that. He's our healer. He's our, you know, provider. He's our whatever. But really, you just need to know about the name of Jesus. So I'm taking this comment from this verse over into the New Covenant. And our help is in the name of Jesus, who made heaven and earth. Now, that's the one that our help is in his, him because he's the one that made heaven and earth. Yes. I mean, you know, if your help was in somebody, that'd be limited to their experience, their, their value, their integrity, their power and authority. But we're talking about the one who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord. For what? For everything. Now, this word help is an interesting word. In the Hebrew, it's the word aid, A-I-D. And aid means this, to provide what is useful and necessary in achieving an end. So if I'm sick and I want to be well, the name has within it the ability to get me to the end of my sickness and get me over into healing. If I'm poor or, you know, I, may, I, don't, I shouldn't have to explain all this all the time, this detail, but, you know, poor doesn't mean you just live in a trailer. And if you live in a trailer, God bless you. I'm not putting that down, but people got a mentality. If you live in a project, you're poor. There's people live in my neighborhood that are poor. And I live in a decent subdivision. <laughs> I don't know how people live for sure, how they control their money or what they do. But anyway, so poor is a relative term. You know, if you make a hundred grand a year and you spend a million, you're in debt. Yes. Up to your earlobes, baby, you're going down sooner or later. Somebody's coming for you. Yes. Yes. So, but what if you didn't have enough, then you could, in the name of the Lord, by trusting in him, the one who made heaven and earth, the great creator, he will take you into abundance. Yes. If you're in bondage to something, either small or great, it doesn't matter if you're in bondage to anything, the name of Jesus will take you out of that bondage and put you over in freedom and liberty and yes. Man, the sky's the limit. There's not even, you know, not even the sky's the limit. Just there is no limit to the name of Jesus and what it will do. I'm going to read that again. The word help means aid in the Hebrew. So I just looked up aid uh, to provide what is useful and necessary in achieving an end. Whatever end you're after, and if you're a word person, it'd be based on the word, wouldn't be based on your own mind or your own lust. You know what I'm saying? It would be based on something God would want you to have. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 real quick. It's just a few books over to the right. Isaiah chapter 9. Look at something here. We're going to do a little study today. We've got several scriptures. And I'm glad to give them to you. Because this is how, this is how you learn. 
you know, it's one thing to have somebody preach to you. You don't take any notes. You never wrote any scriptures down. Five years later, you still wonder, what, what is that he said two years ago? I mean, your wife don't even remember that. <laughs> I'm just teasing with you. <laughs> but now listen to me. Now listen, because wives are a little more attuned to things like that than men. Women are. Thank God for the women. I think I get a rise out of these ladies. <laughs> the name of Jesus is so powerful. Let me show you something here. In Isaiah 9, in the Old Testament, I know we're back here for now. We'll get over into the new later. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And, of course, he's talking about Jesus. But I wanted you to notice this phrase here, his name shall be called Wonderful. I looked that word up a couple years ago in the Hebrew, and it means a miracle. His name shall be a miracle. It's a miracle name. And there's miracles in that name. <laughs> you follow me? There's miracles in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't, we're not talking rabbit's foot and silly stuff you put on the dash of your car. Or pixie dust. You know, out of a Disney movie. We're not talking about it. We're talking about a real God and real supernatural. Supersedes all the superstitious stuff. All the Harry Potter garbage, all the Disney garbage, they, they cloak it in a different package so your kids will enjoy it. And it's still witchcraft and darkness personified. Yeah. So, his name shall be called a miracle. Think about that. I don't know about you. See, I remember, I, I've never forgotten the day I was in a little church. I was a drug addict guy, 21 years old. A drug dealer, still a drug addict, and I liked this this girl. I thought I liked her from uh, the church that my parents went to, a Baptist church. And I, I and so I asked her out, and her parents knew about me because my mom brought me up in the prayer meetings. That my son's a drug addict, and a drug dealer, and he carries a gun, and he's about <laughs> half crazy. Please pray that he don't shoot somebody or get shot or overdose. And so. They knew me, and they said, you cannot date our daughter. You can go to church with her, and you can come to our house when we're home. If we ever catch you here and we're, and we're not home, that would be the last time you ever see her. And so, you know, the father, he was kind of hard. To, then I had a daughter later. I understood that perfectly. Come on. Yeah, and a son. I got rid of one for each of them one time. But anyway, I won't tell that story. But uh, so I'm in this little, I'm in this youth meeting and I don't even remember what the guy preached. But when he got to the end, he said, I want you to bow your heads and ask if you know God. And I said, I bowed my head, you know, because I grew up in church. I wasn't in church then. I was in that one meeting with her because I liked her. And I thought I did. And I said, Lord, do I know you're not? And he said, no, you don't. You know about me because your mom made you go to church when you were younger. You know that. But you don't know me. And he said, if you'll come forward tonight, I'll change your life and turn it around for you. And so I got up, ponytail and all, 
walked down the front. I'm 21. I'm the oldest youth in that meeting probably. I mean, the girl I was with was 18 or something. I was 21. And gave my life to Jesus Christ. I mean, I've never been the same since then. <laughs> I never have ever for one second doubted myself. Even when I tried to go back with my party friends. And they finally asked me to quit coming to the parties. I wasn't no fun no more. I wanted to witness to all of them. They said, you're bumming us out. Get out of here. And I said, good, good. Bye-bye. I'd rather have Jesus than all of you. I'm just trying to tell you that's what we were looking for. You remember all the girls? You remember all the parties? You remember all the dope? What's wrong with you? I found the answer. Its name is Jesus. And they would say, well, we heard you got you go to church. And I said, it's not going to church. It's loving Jesus. Jesus Christ came into my life. I'm different. Did you ever make a few mistakes? Sure, I slid back a couple times. But I never, never drowned and I was saved. I knew that when Jesus came in, I had a little 21-year-old boy up front with some other teenagers praying. Asking Jesus into my heart. And he came. Just like he said he would. <laughs> you got to humble yourself sometimes. And uh, I wasn't such a tough drug dealer right then. I was just a broken man. And I knew. I knew I was broken. I, and I told my mother, Mom, I don't know what to do. I'm just so fed up with everything in life. Tried everything four or five, ten times. So I did all the drugs on the market and a lot that weren't on the market. And I made, you know, and carrying a gun, just acting crazy. And got in different kinds of situations. It's a wonder I lived through it. Yes. And I just said, God, I said to my mother, I don't, my mind is blown. My body's shot. I've lost 80 pounds shooting speed. I'm just so sickly. And Jesus took me just like I was, all messed up and everything. Put me back together. I'm going to start crying on you, I think. I'm trying not to a little bit, but I'm telling you, he can change your life. Yeah. See, now right there was the biggest miracle <laughs> that I'd ever imagined could happen right then. Nobody, I, those people I was with, they don't know nothing about healing. They don't know nothing about deliverance. They don't know nothing about speaking in tongues. They don't know nothing about the gifts. They're just limited, limited, limited. But they knew about Jesus as a Savior. And that's what I needed right then. So I'm very indebted to the Baptists for that one situation. Yes, I later had to leave them because they weren't going to go move on. And God was calling me to move on with what he was showing me. Yes. Because I was hungry for him. Not trying to go against the people I was with. Trying to go on with him who called me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not the rest of them said, we don't believe that no more. Mm-hmm. You know, crazy. You always got people that don't want to believe nothing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, let's go to Mark and let's look at this miracle working name. Mark chapter 9. Excuse me, I'm sniffing, I know. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. We're going to, we'll do some study here a little bit today because I want to lay a foundation on you and in you that you could take a hold of this and really start having faith in the name. So here's a guy that he isn't even with the original group. I'm going to show you what I mean. Mark 9, 38 and 39. You know, John's one of the 12, and John answered and said to Jesus, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name, and he's not, he doesn't follow us. And we forbade him. They tried to stop him because he follows not us. Well, they got a pretty, pretty serious prejudice in them. He's not one of us. So you got to watch that about people. Some people don't believe like we do, but you still need to love them for being in Christ or if they're serving God at any capacity. You know, don't put them down. 
But it says, Jesus said, forbid him not. There is no man. I want you to make an underline that, no man, which shall do a miracle in my name. A man will do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. Smart Jesus is talking here. But the point he's making is, here's a guy that's not part of the original 12. Somehow he got some information about Jesus' name. I don't know how he got it. It doesn't tell us all that. It just says, he's out casting out devils in your name, and it's working. And we tried to stop him. And I, I'm paraphrasing. He would say, you lugheads, what's wrong with you? If he's doing it in my name, he's not mad at me. He's, that's an honor to me. Why would you try to do that? They did that with the kids came to him, you know, and he said, stop them. You know, and he said, no, you stop that. I allow the children to come unto me for such is the kingdom. Stuff like that. All right. So we can see here, this is significant because this is just one example. I'm going to give several before I'm done preaching. But this is a man that wasn't even close enough to Jesus that we don't know if Jesus even knew this guy. We know the disciples didn't, and they were irritated that somebody else was using the name like they were <laughs> and getting results, and they tried to stop him. Jesus wasn't too pleased with that. I'm sure he wasn't. He said, you know, no man can, which shall do a miracle. And then the point about a man doing a miracle, see, in my name. In other words, it's not the man doing the He's just the avenue I'm using, but the authority came out of my name. Are you listening? All right, let's go to Proverbs now, 18 and verse 10. I want to read this out of the Amplified Bible to you. We're talking about our help is in the name of the Lord. This will help you the rest of your life. I'm still using the name. Yeah, I'm still pleading the blood in the name of Jesus. You know, praise the Lord. You know. So Proverbs eighteen ten from the Amplified Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The consistently righteous man or woman. Upright and in right standing with God. Now, how do you get that? Through Jesus Christ. You get righteous through believing in Jesus Christ. You remember? That's how you get it. He became sin that we might be made, not earned. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm not turning there, but I'm just giving you that. So it says if we're righteous in right standing, he runs into it, into this tower, which the name of the Lord is, present tense, and is safe, high above evil, and strong. That's why I use the Amplified because it, added, added, it amplified some words here. He's safe, he's high above evil, and strong. See, in the name of Jesus, you could take your place and it'll lift you up above stuff. Yes. And it'll make you safe. And it'll make you strong. How many are listening to me? I mean, after 9-11, I'm, I'm kind of making fun of humanity, but I understand their, their poverty of spirituality. <laughs> I was scheduled to go to Columbia, South America, four days after that happened. I got on an airplane. Nobody's talking. Everybody's just totally silent. Even the stewardesses were kind of, they were grumpy. And, uh, you know, and so I don't know why this guy did that. I was in first class about the fourth row, and this guy was in 1A or up, up by the, right, where the bulkhead, the first seat into the plane that the passenger could sit. 
we're up in the air. He got up, got his briefcase out of the overhead bin and walked around where the stewardess sits. That whole first class jumped to their feet. I know what they were thinking. This guy's a terror, terrorist, and we're going to beat the you-know-what out of him right now. We may just throw him out the window. I mean, it was tense. You could cut the air with a knife, and I don't know what was wrong. Maybe the guy had dementia. I'm not making fun of that disease. I'm just saying maybe he was disoriented. And the stewardess was very polite to him. said, sir, you're not allowed up here. Get back in your seat. We're still climbing. But that whole first class jumped to their feet like we're, they were unbuckling, jumping out. You know? <laughs> see, but see, I had prayed Psalm 91 when I got on the plane. Yeah. See, I was safe. Yeah. Psalm 91 will protect you every day if you'll believe it. Yeah. A thousand fall at one side, 10,000 at the other, but it won't come near you. Yeah. So we're just talking, these scriptures, all relating to the name, see, will keep us and embrace us and keep us safe, keep us strong and help us and lift us up high above evil. Are you listening to me? All right, let's go to, let's go to Mark 16 now. Praise the Lord. I'm getting excited about this, <laughs> about the name of Jesus. Now, Mark 16 uh, and, you know, I've been to seminary. I know what some of the people say. Well, that wasn't in all the original text. No, but it's in enough of them that they canonized it. In other words, the people who judge the scriptures, what should be kept in, judge to keep it in. And I could take you 10 or 15 or 30 places where everything listed here happened anyway in other passages. Just so you know, don't read all the stuff in your goofy Bible. <laughs> what I mean by that, your Bible that's got, uh, what do you call it, add-ins. Commentary. Sometimes those commentators are goofy as a $3 bill. No, I'm serious. I've been to seminary. I took Greek. I'm not a dummy. But I know what I'm talking about, and I studied all that out. I haven't had, took a class called psychology at seminary, and all it was is higher criticism, how you want to criticize the Bible. They're teaching that in our theological schools. And put everything in the name. There is nothing that man's ever going to make that's going to compare to the name of Jesus. I don't care what it is. Nuclear power don't have a chance against it. You know, whatever kind of power you're thinking. So I'm telling you that so you just leave it in there and it belongs there. Because we could take the, the things that he's saying here and prove in other passages in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and other places that all this took place. So he says in verse 17, and these signs, Mark 16, 17, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with Dr. Jacobs. March, whatever date it is today, and confirmed the word with signs following at Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. See, he always confirms what I preach. So we're preaching on the name of Jesus, and we're talking about specifically about healing and deliverance today, which is listed among these. The first one was deliverance that he lists. But this is what I want to say. In my name, those that believe in my name. Now, Pastor and I, Diana and I, when we were younger, I, I was in the Navy, and I had, uh, what do you call that, uh, a Navy loan, like for a VA? VA loan for our house. So we bought a duplex. You know, we had two apartments together. 
And so God was dealing with me, and then I moved out on a farm. It's a big elaborate story. It's a wonderful story. I haven't got an hour to tell you about it. Uh, and, and so we were renting these two apartments, and I was living on the farm, and God dealt with me. God gave us everything we wanted. We wanted land. We got a 600-acre farm. Now, we didn't own it, but we had the house on one end of it, and a millionaire guy owned it. Free access to it. Free access to it. He, he, I met him out there. He drove up my Mark IV Lincoln. I had a 56 Chevy pickup. I had ponytail. He had a little sporty hat on. He was 75 years old. I was probably 23, 24 maybe. Got out of my truck. He got out of his car, and he liked me. And he said, uh, I said, I was interested to ask you about this farmhouse. They told me to call you. I'd like to rent it. He said, well, let's go in and look at it. Went in and looked at it, and the floor was rotten out in the kitchen, falling through. Went into the bathroom, tried to flip the switch on, and it didn't work, so I reached for the bulb. He's standing right by me to screw it in, and the whole socket fell out in my hand. I said, well, this needs a little help in here too, doesn't it? <laughs> I said, I'm a carpenter apprentice right now, and I said, I would fix this up if you'd let me rent it, put a new floor in your kitchen, put a new bathroom in it. He said, I'll do better. I will pay for all your stuff if you'll do it for free, and you can live here for free. Now, my drug addict friends were sliving. You know, they have a farm like that where you could do dope, but we weren't doing dope. We were doing Jesus now. We were bringing the youth out there and having camp outs and campfires and preaching. And anyway, during that time on the farm, God dealt with me about the ministry. So, and he said, I want you down in Louisville. I want you down there in August. So, well, I tried to sell my duplex. I couldn't get it sold. So I went to an attorney. And I took her daddy, Colonel Lee R. Standifer. He had a doctorate in metallurgy. He's a very smart man, very humble too. And I gave him the power of attorney to deal with my duplex, the real estate, and the bank people. And I went on to, came down to Kentucky. I never, all he did was send me a check in the mail later of whatever we made. I don't know, it wasn't much. But, but what I'm saying is he took my place at those meetings. Yes. He had a letter that was signed by an attorney and me said, I give this man, Lee R. Stanford, for power of attorney to act in my behalf. So he is standing there as if I'm there in person signing documents. See, this is what Jesus did to us in my name. You'll go places and you'll stand there just like I'm there. <laughs> you know, I'm in you and I'm giving you the power of my name to use it. I'm going to show you that in a minute. To use my name because the name belongs to you. Jesus, the name of Jesus belongs to you. <laughs> in fact, in one place, Paul got per he was persecuting the church so bad he got knocked off his donkey in Acts 9. And he said, and the Lord said to him in a voice, said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. Well, Jesus was in heaven then. He was persecuting the church. But he said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, what's your name? My name's Jesus. So that means the church yes. is Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Yes. Yeah, and another place says, what is Christ to do with Billy or the devil? Calls us Christ, calls the devil the devil. Mm -hmm. See, what I'm saying is you, you and I, he, God has identified you and me with him yes. to give us his name. Yes. The only reason we're called Christians, it just means little anointed ones. But it's the name of Jesus that gets it done. Well, yes, Amen. See, just like with, with Lee being at the bank and with the real estate and whoever was buying the property, he signed off on it his name because he had power of attorney. They made a copy and all of it was legal. Mm -hmm. 
And I was, I was down in Kentucky in Bible school going to school and seminary and stuff, and he's up in Ohio taking care of business. That's what Jesus expects of us. Yes. Take care of his business on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I went to visit a guy one time. He, his mother knew me well, and he was in my first church. I only had 10 members or whatever. I don't know what it was back in Fern Creek. And I had a lot of time to go fishing with this young man. He was a drug addict like me, I had been, and alcoholic, and just his family was wild. His mother was sweet, but his brothers were even crazier than he was. And he ended up in the mental hospital over in Louisville at uh, the state mental hospital. And she called me and said, would you go see John? I said, where is John? That's after I left that church, and I don't know what church I was attending or pastoring then. Yeah, I was gone from Fern Creek then. I don't know if I was in this church. or. But anyway, she called, sweet lady, Michael, would you please... Go see John. He needs help. I said, well, all right, I'll go this one time. So I went to the state mental hospital. I mean, you talk about prison. Well, it looks like it over there. It didn't like Our Lady of Peace, the Catholic deal. I've been there too and prayed for people. But anyway, just tell the story, Michael. Okay. So I'm in the state mental hospital, and they, I, I, signed, I gave my driver's license, and they Unlock the door, throw me in, and say, now listen, this is your guy you're seeing, right, John? He's down in the yard. We let him out for recess. But the bell will ring, and you'll hear it. It'll ring all over the facility. You've got to make sure he gets up on the second floor and gets back in the right door. On the, go up the steps and take him to, and knock until an orderly comes, and he'll let him in. And then you come down and come back to us, and we'll let you out. Okay. So I get to John, and he barely recognized him. I said, John, listen, I've come to help you. And he started cussing me. And, yeah, he was just, like, out of, out of his mind. I mean, I knew him before. He could cuss, but I never knew him to do stuff like that with me. And so the bell rang. Ding, 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 ding. So I go, we got to go up. And so we're starting up, and he's about three feet behind me, and he is, he doesn't get first place for cussing me. My neighbor in Otisco got that. But he gets <laughs> second place. Yeah. Really fun being a Christian. And so, you know, he is just really laying into me. And, I mean, I was so irritated at him. I said, John, stop that. And he wouldn't do it. And we went up the steps. We got up to the second floor. And the Lord, the Lord started dealing with me immediately. He said, turn around and cast that thing out of him. <laughs> and I was so irritated. Man, at the moment, I know you wouldn't tell the truth on yourself, but I would tell your truth on you if you needed me to. I'm just being honest and real. I said, no, I don't think I want to. And he started, then I started getting grieved because I was in disobedience. You know, when God tells you to do something, you better just do it or you're going to forfeit some stuff. <laughs> so we get up to the second floor. I said, okay. I turned around. I leapt on him. I don't know. You know, I took a leap like Superman and grabbed him by his head and I said, come out of him. And I was in a stairwell full of concrete and steel and you could hear, come out of him, come out of him, come out of him, come out of him. <laughs> I don't know how many people got delivered that day. <laughs> I really don't. And he fell against the steps and kind of rolled around like this a few times. Mike? I said, yeah, John. You're back. Listen, you're normal. I saw that thing leave you. Now get in there and act normal and be normal because you are normal. I cast that out of you. And he was very thankful. And I said, they'll let you out in a few days, I guarantee you. He got out in five days. Yeah. And don't be in there, snut, you know, you know, putting glue in a, in a sack and snorting it, you know, or smelling it. Stuff like that happens in those places. 
A lot of other stuff happens we won't mention. It's Sunday morning, this AM service. <laughs> See, we're just talking now. Why did that work? Because I had authority in the name of Jesus. I wasn't trying to be a hot rod. I just I knew God knew that I knew how to do that. And John had just provoked me because I took the time out of my schedule to go be there to do that. Of course, I had a lot more time as I was younger. Now I'm not so much just busy, busy, you know, not too busy to be with Jesus. But I manage my time better than I used to. Thank you so much. It'd help you if you do that. Uh, so I was just saying that about the name of the power in the name of Jesus. The power in the name of Jesus. There's something about that name that, that, that threatens the devil and all of his territory. If you, you learn to use it in faith, and how you do that? By listening to me today and writing these scriptures down, writing the reference down, then go back and meditate on these scriptures, and faith will start building in your heart. All right, let's go over here to the, to the book of Acts, and I'm going to read primarily the rest of my message from the Amplified Bible, but I'd still like you to write the references down. Acts chapter 3, and uh, we'll, we'll take it from verse 6, or I may, I may go a little further back, but we want to look at this, because we're talking about our help is in the name of the Lord. Yes. Our help is in the name, and like I say it this way, our help is in the name of Jesus. You know, I know I've heard people teach out of Leviticus in the Old Testament, you know, he's Jehovah this, Jehovah that. I know all that. I'm not put, making fun of that. But if you don't understand that it's all summed up in Jesus... What difference does it make? To the name of Jesus, it'll do it in the new covenant. Ever since Jesus came, gave us his name. And I'm going to show you his name belongs to us. I didn't earn it. I just received it. Took me a while to figure all this out. You're getting a lot of years in a condensed sermon today from me. You know, I didn't even have a book on the name of Jesus. Once I realized that I should study that, I had to find a book. I mean, besides my Bible, you know, if somebody had written something, and I couldn't, you know, I found Kenyon's book, E.W. Kenyon, down in a, in a little uh, bookstore down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And if you know anything about E.W. Kenyon, you can read a paragraph, and it's like a novel. I mean, it's just so comprehensive. He, you have to think about what he's saying, but... He, he, he blessed me and began to enable me to understand a little bit about the name. And he made a statement in there. Some of us have gotten over in the edge of the authority of the name, but none of us have been over there where we've been able to stay there yet. But he said in this next generation before Jesus comes, Kenyon said that, Brother Hagin said that too, that there will come a time when the power of the name of Jesus will rise in the church to such a degree that we'll stand in a new place in the supernatural. Amen. Yes. I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of people come to churches like this, coming in these doors back here. You may be one of them today. I don't know everybody here that you need deliverance or you need healing. And you can get it in a place like this where we believe this. Yes. You go to a church that makes fun of this, you're not going to get it. God doesn't honor make fun of. Now, he's not mad at anybody, but he doesn't endorse that. Remember, I read you in Mark 16, they went out and preached everywhere not against it, but for it. And then he worked with them. He works with me. All right. Now, now, in the background of Acts 3, this man was crippled, born that way from his mother's womb, verse 1-2. And he's needing help. He's begging alms of the people going into the temple. Maybe a smart place to stay 
other than a street corner in Louisville or somewhere over in our freeways. They did a special on that recently. And some of them, you know, they followed people and they were living in nice homes, good cars, and they were begging money. But I'm not saying everybody would do that. But, you know, just remember, there's always people that do things that are wrong. But this man, he, he knew where to find people that would have some compassion. He went to the temple. You're going in there to worship God. Certainly they would feel a little bit something for me maybe because I can't walk. I can't work. I can't get up. And so he's there and Peter and John, verse 5, and the man said, uh, Peter directed his gaze intently and said, uh, said, uh, said, look on us. And the man paid attention to them expecting that he was going to get something from them. Now, that's I'm just bringing this out for our, when we minister to people in a minute. You need to believe you're going to get something. Yes. If you get in the line. You know, I'm anointed, but you're not going to get it unless you expect to receive it. Yes. I'm not bragging on me. I'm trying to help you to be a good receiver. Yes. And whatever I have, I didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. It was bestowed on me. God invested me with that. And, you know, when I started, I didn't know any of this. I just went out and started preaching, and God honored that, just my faith. But as I grew and understood about the anointing and different endowments, oh, my gosh, and I'm not done yet. So, But I know you have to expect to receive something. You can't come with, well, I'm going to go try it. You know, you, triers always fail. James says the doers of the word are blessed. Or the doers of the word are receiving. You know. When I got in prayer lines with Dr. Dufresne, I just opened myself wide open to whatever God had for me. I was not limited. I wasn't hesitant. I was not putting up a barrier. I'm just talking to you a minute. No, I'm not going to knock you down. But if you put your foot like this, you're telling me you're, going, you're kind of resisting me before I even get to you. You know, you're not going to push me down, preacher. Well, I'm not trying to push you down. I'm big enough to throw you down in a lot of cases. But I'm not going to do that. I'm trying to love you and help you. Lay my hands on you. How many understand what I meant by that? I'm not a hardcore person. But when you get like that and you're going to, is that a stance to be receiving? No, you've got to be open and remove all the barriers. Of course, you've got to trust me. It would help you if you trusted me before you got up here. What is the difference in a lady gets in my meeting that's dying and gets healed in four seconds? I mean, the power, and I, I never prayed for her again. That I remember, I prayed for her since then, ministered other things, but not about her health. Mm-hmm. Had nine diseases in her body and started getting healed that moment. Boom, 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 boom. She came ready to get it. She came ready to get it. She said, her, 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 I'm saying this for your benefit. Her mindset was somebody invited her to the church. I don't know who invited her for sure, but somebody, and they said, this guy that we're bringing, Dr. Jacobs, he gets miracles. Well, she's a registered nurse and she's falling apart. She's had nine diseases in her body, got a tumor on her armpit, her stomach doesn't work, her intestines don't work. She's got a food tube in her somewhere in the intestines to get nutrition. But she's had nothing down her mouth for two years because she can't tolerate anything. It just totally wrecks her system. And she said, her, she told me personally, she said, I, my goal was to be the first one up in your line. If you give a prayer line for anything close to what I need, I'm jumping up and running. Well, she tried to get up here first, but she was, she, no, I'm not making fun. She's very now nourished. She looked gray, looked ashen color, like she's dying. That's what people look like when they're dying sometimes. And she had her backpack on, and she was kind of stumbling a little bit. She's very frail. And uh, 
she got in that line. And I said, what, do you, what kind of miracle do you need, lady? I'd never seen her before. She'd never seen me. I need uh, my esophagus, stomach, and intestines. I need new stuff. I said, Father, let it be so. And then I just moved on. And, man, she just got revitalized. She's got her job back. She's registered nurse. She's a very intelligent lady to begin with. Wrote me a 10-page document. My wife and I explaining every detail of all the physical things she had wrong with her. Now she's in the ministry. Married a pastor. Hallelujah. Got an anointing on her. Now. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyway, there's difference in the way you approach things. See? So anyway, this man, he hadn't walked his whole life. And, and he said, look on us. And the man paid attention, expecting to receive. Verse 6, and Peter said, silver and gold or money I do not have. Now that's not to say you never have money. He didn't have money on him that day. He says, but what I do have, so in other words, what he's going to sell us, what he already had, what I do have, that I give to you in the use of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So he knew that name belonged to him. That's my point. And he's going to use that name. I used to be a carpenter like you'd use an electric saw. It did all the work. All I did was guide it. Or electric screwdriver, just push the button. See what I'm saying? All the power was in the tools. It wasn't in me. All I was doing was directing that power. And that's what, that's what Peter was doing that day. I'm using the name of Jesus that belongs to me such as I have. Say, I have it. Are you in Christ? Say, I have it. I have the name. I can use the name in Jesus' name. Yeah, you can use it. Hallelujah. And he said, in the, in the, it said, they took hold of the man, verse 7, by the right hand, a firm grip, and raised him up. And at once his feet and ankle bones received, uh, became strong and steady. And leaping forth, he stood and began to walk and went into the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Yeah, praise God. I remember I, there was a man, I went with Dr. Dufresne to, to uh, Mexico a couple years ago, and he asked me to minister to a guy in a wheelchair in a prayer line. I came up and ministered to him. And I rebuked the devil off of him, and I saw something leaving. And uh, I said, can you get up? He said, well, I haven't walked in eight years. And I said, well, come on, I'm going to help you. And he stood up, and he started walking. His legs were trembling because he hadn't used his muscles in eight years. And Dr. Dufresne was there with me. He didn't pray for him, but he was there beside me. And he said, who, who does this guy belong to come up here? And a lady ran up and said, it's my husband. He's been like that for eight years. He hadn't walked. So he walked just a few times back and forth in the front in the altar area and broke out in a sweat because he's, he's using all those muscles almost for the first time in eight years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And that's a lot of stress, but he did walk. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have the right to employ that name, the name of Jesus. And that brings Jesus on the scene. That brings all of his power on the scene that he has. See, I'm I'm trying to help us to see something here. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at at chapter, we're still in chapter 3. Go to verse 16. I'm reading from the Amplified on purpose because of the way it says it. And his name, you with me? Acts 3.16 in the Amplified. By his name, through and by faith in his name, has made this man whom you see and recognize well and strong. Yes, the faith which is through and by him, Jesus, has given the man this perfect soundness of body 
before you. And I underline that, the perfect soundness of body. So here was the name of Jesus doing something to that man's body. Restoring it. Hallelujah. I mean, that's exciting to me. I don't know about you, but that's the... Now, chapter 4, they're still talking about this over here. Chapter 4, and I'm still reading from the Amplified, verse 10 uh, through 12. Let it be known and understood by all of you and by the whole house of Israel that in the name and through the power and authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, in him... And by means of him, this man is standing here before you well and sound in body. Again, he's repeating that. He's well, he's sound in body because of the name. Mm-hmm. I want to point out one more thing here, and then I, I've got to go one more passage. But let me read on. Uh, this Verse 11 and 12. Yeah, 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone which was despised and rejected by you, the builders, but which has become the head of the corner, the cornerstone. And there is salvation. Now, I want you to pay attention to this with just prime purpose. And there is salvation in and through no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by and in which we must be saved. He uses the word salvation and saved here, but he's not talking about new birth here. He's talking about the healing of the man's body. See, when you think of salvation, I mean, depending on how we've been trained, we just think new birth. And that is a part of salvation, but it's only a part of the whole. And here he used the word salvation talking about a man getting healed in his body and called it salvation. See, remember back in the Old Testament on the offering, I told you about that word salvation meant a lot of different things. It still does in the New Testament. So we're talking about healing here, but it's part of your salvation. See, if we'd have been taught properly when we first got into Christ, we would know that. Now, there's another place, you know, in the Bible. I think I'm going to go to another place with you in a minute, but I want to just talk about this place. In Mark 2, you know, Jesus was preaching the word there and says it was so crowded nobody could get into the house. People out in the yard and everything. And there was a guy, they broke the ceiling tiles up and lowered him down. And he asked everybody, what's easier to say to this man? Sins be forgiven or rise up and walk? The answer is, neither's more. You could do them both. That's what I'm just showing you. Salvation is the salvation of your soul, your spirit being reborn, or it's the healing of your body. It's still part of your salvation. See, I want to make this clear. Jesus didn't pay for a segment of your life. He came to make you W-H-O-L-E. 1 Thessalonians 5. See, over in the New Covenant, it says that God may sanctify or set you apart completely your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body. That's the whole man. There ain't anything besides that. So when we think about healing, it's not an addendum to something. It's not an add-on. It's a part of. It's a part of my salvation. It's my healing. If we'd been taught that when we first got saved in churches that didn't know it, we could have just jumped right in and just started walking in health or a level of it according to our faith being unto us, so there have to be taught more. If you were here with me the last 15 years, I taught her one time a week for 15 years. And yet I know I buried some people that, had, that I taught, and they showed me their, had, uh, what do you call it, journals at home with my scriptures that I'd preached to them for 15 years. Stacked up. 
but they still didn't get it. I know one thing, you've got to write things down and you need to write and then go back and look at it and meditate on it. This is the key now. As I'm getting older, you meditate in the Word more. Spend time meditating, thinking about the Word. You have to make yourself do that. Your mind doesn't naturally want to gravitate that way. you got so much going on. But you know, every phase of life has got so much going on. The devil will use whatever phase you're at to get you out of it. I enjoy being a grandparent. But my calling is preaching. You don't stay focused, you never accomplish anything. Not say anything. I love my grandchildren. They know that. I told my kids, I said, you need to help with your kids to know that Grandpa loves them, cares about them. But I'm on a divine mission too. You know, and if I forfeit that, I'll be dead anyway in a couple of years. So, you know, whatever you want. I'm not going to sit on the back porch on a rocker. That's just not me. I'd just soon go on to heaven if that was the way it was going to be. Now, you may not feel like me. That's okay. But I've got a purpose in my I'm talking about me, my purpose. I'm focused. <laughs> sometimes I'm a little distracted or maybe sometimes more so because I'm needed. That my goal is to fulfill my ministry. Period. I'm just talking to us all here. You need to be like that in, in whatever you're called to do in the local church. Well, stay in the church. Stay in a good church like this. Grow up in it and mature in it. My goodness. I mean, the whole, there's, I say the sky's the limit. That's not even the limit. You could just, so much can happen in your life. Hallelujah. Yeah, footprints on the moon. Somebody says this guy. Well, that's not true. Somebody asked somebody, "Where does a flag fly all the time, twenty four seven? And the guy said, "The moon." He goes, "Well, you're right." Alex Trebek said that. I don't know if he's a believer, but anyway, he said, "Who would have thought of that? The moon? Yeah, they stuck it in the ground. Ain't nobody picking it up and turning it up and taking it down. You know, they don't do that if somebody dies on this planet. It just stays where it's at and waves around." On a tennis shoe, yeah. Says the sky's not the limit. There's footprints on the moon. <laughs> Was that Stephon Curry? I don't know, but it's a great statement. It's a great statement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to one more scripture here. You getting anything? That last scripture, I didn't read it. It's in Mark 2, 1 through 12, but it says, what's easier? Jesus given us a, a, a picture. Neither is easier, both equal. It's not a question of whether you can get saved and get healed. You can have them both. That's what he was. But the religious people that were harassing him that day said, well, you tell me what's easier to say, sins be forgiven or arise up and walk. But I think he did it in the right order because I reread that many times. He forgave his sins so he wouldn't feel guilty so he could get in the prayer line to be healed. In other words, in the prayer line he was laying flat. But nonetheless, you get the guilt off people, you can get them healed. Get over that that you earned anything. You didn't earn a thing. Even the best of us, that's not very impressive to God. 
You, you come with that attitude to God, you're going to miss out because it's what he's provided that I'm receiving. It's what I teach, what he's provided. That's all I ever teach, what he's provided. I didn't provide it. He provided. I just said, well, yeah, I'll take that too. And then I found out one day from Moffat's translation of Colossians 1, verse 14, instead it says, in him we have our redemption. Moffat says, in him we enjoy our redemption. So I started saying, Father, I'm, I'm enjoying my salvation. I said that this morning when I got up out of bed. I'm enjoying my salvation. What would be the purpose of having a salvation if you didn't enjoy it? You know, churches, they do that with their people all the time. You can't wear lipstick. You can't wear that kind of dress. You've got to do that. You can't, what you can't do. But I'm trying to teach you what you can have. One last scripture, Acts 16. I'm going to read it quick. 16, Amplified Bible, 16 through 18. And as we were on our way to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination, claiming to foretell future events and to discover hidden knowledge. And she brought her own owners much gain, always a lot of money in sin and, and darkness, and by her fortune telling. She kept following Paul and the rest of us, shouting loudly, these men are the servants of the Most High God. They announced to you the way of salvation. You know, that's, that, and now there's nothing wrong with what she said. What she said was accurate, but Paul was grieved by that. Sometimes you can get grieved and you don't even know why I've been there. And she did this for many days, and Paul, being sorely annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He's using the name to cast out a spirit. Come out of her, and it came out that very moment. Hallelujah. See, they began to learn, the early church, the power that was in the name. And they used it and got results. So praise God. I just thought I'd add that in there about deliverance. Deliverance is not a tough thing. It's just a, a required thing if we're going to live certain ways because sometimes people get in bondage to things, and it restricts them captivates them. Yes. 